This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heidman. And I'm Kelly King. Last summer, we were able to provide the full teaching sessions for Jen Wilkins, the Sermon on the Mount Bible Study, right here on the Mark Podcast. We heard from so many of you that you loved that content and you wanted to hear more like it. So for the next eight weeks, we are going to do Kelly Mentor's All Things New Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week right here on the Mark Podcast. All Things New is one of several Bible studies Kelly Minter has published with Lifeway, and she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please note that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Now before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. So for the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook. You can purchase the book at lifeway.com slash allthingsnew. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail. These audio teaching sessions will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We will leave the audio up until April 30th. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over eight sessions, Kelly Minter is going to lead us through the letter of 2 Corinthians, exploring the anchoring truths of bearing treasures in jars of clay, meeting Christ through a pressing thorn, opening wide your heart in the midst of hurtful relationships, and what it means to embrace the lost and lonely as ministers of the new covenant. Each of us has a message to proclaim and live by. Because of Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. Now, here's Kelly Minter. I'm so glad you guys came back for week two of 2 Corinthians, and you've already done a full week of homework. You've gotten part of the way through chapter two, and so I hope that you've been really blessed and that you're already starting to get into the story. I uh, would have to say that the first chapter of 2 Corinthians is just, it's an anchor chapter because Paul starts out talking about the comfort of God which in some ways is is sort of a strange place for him to begin when you don't realize the context. But we talked about the context last week and we studied it, that he was going through a great deal of suffering. And so when we know that, it makes perfect sense that he would come here and open up his letter by praising the God of all comfort and the Father of mercies. And so what I want us to do is I, I want us to read together verses 3 through 11 of 2 Corinthians. We're just going to read verses 3 through 11, and this is going to be the text that we're going to focus on uh, during this session. And here is what Paul says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. 
If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Before we really dive into these few verses, I just want to recognize how many people are here and who are suffering greatly. How many people who just opened up their Bibles and they're reading this text and they are in pain. Maybe it's a relational pain, maybe it's a loss or grief or a physical ailment or a financial burden, but you are suffering. And this is such a tender and important message today because of what Paul teaches us not just about suffering, but about the God of comfort and the Father of all mercies. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. This is one of my favorite words in all the Bible. Yes, the English word compassion, but the Greek word behind this particular word compassion is oiktirmas. Okay, it, it could be a prettier word, but it's oiktirmas. And it is only used five times in the New Testament, this word. And it's used right here to describe who God the Father is. So many of us, uh, not me particularly, I grew up in a home with a wonderful father and a wonderful mother, but I know many, many of you have grown up in homes where you do not have a loving father. Well, here Paul says that I praise the father of Oiktirmas, the father of this kind of compassion. Now, this word is really important, and the reason I love the word oiktirmas is because it actually has a lot to do with feelings. This word is a very visceral word. It means the, the seat of our emotions or the bowels of our emotions. It's very visceral. It's tactile. This is how God feels toward us. Think about those times in your life where you have seen someone in pain or suffering and you just, you can hardly take it because you're sharing in that so deeply and you, you don't just comprehend it in your mind, but you feel it. That's oiktirmas. And Paul says that God is the father of this. So we find out not only is he this, but he's the source of it. He's the very source of this kind of feeling compassion. There might be some of you here um, today or, or watching, and you don't feel like God feels for you at all. You never even thought about God being a feeling God. 
And I want to say that's what this word is all about. And he's the source of it. He's the father of it. Oh, this is so powerful. The deep feelings that God has for us in our pain and in our sufferings. Then Paul goes on to say, not only see the father of compassion, and your verses might say mercies, he also, or your translations may say that, he also says that he's the God of all comfort. That Greek word is paraklesis, and it's a little bit more common. And, and comfort's a good word, it's a soothing word, but th this particular Greek word is a little stronger than that. It's the God who helps you. It's a word of encouragement. It's a buttressing word. It's a, it's a strengthening word. And so you get the tender compassion of God, and you also get the, you can do it. And so we have the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The problem is, is that when we are suffering, we forget those two things, don't we? We think, God couldn't possibly care for me. He couldn't possibly feel for me. He couldn't possibly be an encourager or an exhorter or a comforter because I'm suffering. And all we can see is our pain. You know how that is when you're hurting. All you see is your hurt, right? And, and you know, we've been that person and we can see that person coming down the aisle at church, right? You know, oh no, there's that person that's always in pain and she's going to talk about her pain. And... <laughs> because when we're suffering, that's a lot of times all we can see and we forget that God is the God of comfort and the Father of all mercies. I was uh, sitting on an airplane recently and I had my awesome assistant with me, Bethany, who also plays the violin and does a whole bunch of things, but we're sitting on this airplane and it did something in Nashville that it doesn't normally do in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's something called snow, okay? <laughs> we're not used to it here and it snowed in Nashville and it snowed a lot. And every single flight was canceling, just the whole board was red, 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 red. And we had a 6 a.m. flight that we got on and off countless times. and. And, and then they just said, yeah, you're, you're probably not getting out of here. And I said, well, I've actually tried to make it to California today. I know that's kind of crazy, but. And they said, well, we think that there's one flight leaving at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to L.A. So we might be able to get you on that. Well, two seats, can you believe it, two seats opened up. Praise the Lord. Bethany and I, we get on that. We've been in the airport 10 hours. We, we get on the airplane. We sit down, and we happen to be sitting next to a pilot. This is all working out beautifully. And they're de-icing the plane. And here's the thing, I grew up in the DC area. I am used to planes being de-iced. I, I tend to not trust people in Nashville de-icing a plane. It just, I don't feel as good about it, you know? I don't feel like they do it as much. And so they de-ice the plane and then this pilot says, wow, I have, wow. Boy, in all the years of my flying, I've, I've never seen a plane take off with still this much ice on it. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, it's at that moment where you're thinking, was it, was it the Lord that we got those two extra seats? Or I, I'm serious. He begins to explain to us and takes out a boarding pass and begins to draw wings. Okay? This is for real. Okay? This is, this is the pilot that was sitting next to us. Now, these three wings apparently were all okay. These are fine. These have been de-iced. This one, bad problem. Okay, this, this one, the air is not getting because of the ice, and this, this plane is going down. 
okay? So he's drawing all of this for us, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I, this is the last time I ever want to sit next to anybody that knows what's actually going on, you know? And so we finally, praise the Lord, we get up in the air, because poor Bethany's looking at me like, what do we do? And I'm like, I mean, we just sit here and hope this plane gets off the ground in the air, and we get up there, and we finally get above the clouds. And you know how it goes. There's no snow, there's no ice up above the clouds. It's beautiful for miles, and it's peaceful, and it's restful, and except for this guy next to us. But other than that, everything's just restful and wonderful. And the thing is, is that when we're suffering, though, everything is below the clouds. And the problem is, is we have got to get the ice off of the wings for us to see above the clouds. How do we get the ice off the wings? Well, we go to God's word. And we have to see what God's word says about suffering and what God's word says about the God who comforts us in our suffering and who is the God of all compassion in our suffering. And when we get that, the, even in our suffering, the wings get de-iced and we get above the clouds and we get to see what God sees, what he's revealed to us through his word. And so that's what I wanna look at today with you. I wanna get above the clouds of our suffering just for a moment. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know you've got the pain and all of those things, but just in our time together, let's journey into God's word and let's see what Paul says about Christian suffering. We're gonna look at four things, four things we learn about Christian suffering. And the very first one is that suffering is never without purpose. Now, you might have noticed that I said we're going to talk about four things we learn about Christian suffering. Because as believers, our suffering is totally different. We don't suffer as the world suffers. And that's why we want to be telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ so they don't have to suffer like the world suffers. Because when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your, your suffering is never without purpose. So we're going to look at a few subheaders under that. Well, first of all, we saw in verse 4, that we can comfort those in any trouble or affliction with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. That's, that's one of the first purposes we see of suffering, is that when, and you know this is true, that when you have suffered and you have received that, that comfort from the Lord, you have something to give other people who have gone through that same pain and walked that same road and experienced that same loss and had that same kind of divorce and that same type of trial and that same long journey in the hospital. Because you've received a comfort, and Paul says, we receive it so that we can comfort others. That is a wonderful, wonderful purpose. Now, this is key, though. It's not the suffering that makes you a good comforter. Rather, it's the comfort you receive from Jesus in the midst of your suffering that makes you a good comforter. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not the suffering that makes any of us good comforters. It's the comfort we have received from Jesus Christ in the midst of our suffering that makes us good comforters. And that's the difference because you know what? We've all been around people who have suffered a lot and you know what? They are not good comforters. Some of those people. Some of those people are, but some of those people they are mad, 
They are bitter. It is all about their pain and all about their suffering, and it is their identity. And if you are suffering, even though they've suffered a lot and they know a lot about pain and suffering, you do not go to their house for tea. <laughs> because suffering doesn't make you a good comforter. You have to have received the comfort from Jesus Christ. And when you receive that comfort and you've really had that, and it's true in your life, then you have something to give. That's what makes you a good comforter. And so I want you to think, are you a, are you a good comforter in your suffering? Has it bore that kind of fruit or is it bore bitterness and anger and resentment and gossip and hatred and malice? Suffering is never without purpose. And one of the subheads there is that obviously we're able to comfort others with the comfort we have received. But also we find out in verse 6 that suffering creates in us a patient endurance. A patient endurance. Paul says, if we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we have suffered. That's another great purpose that suffering gives us. And you know what? Honestly, the society I live in, the society we live in, it doesn't really value patient endurance. <laughs> Anybody wake up today and go, you know what? I just, you know what I could use more of? Patient endurance. <laughs> I could use more patient endurance. Uh, you don't see commercials for patient endurance. You don't see movies about patient endurance. It's just, it's not a valued quality. And yet, Paul goes out of his way to say, you know what? It's a prize. And suffering and hardship, it produces patient endurance in our lives. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And some of you all will be familiar with this passage. And Paul again here. He says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Do you see here that suffering, it, it, it produces like that patient endurance, the perseverance, which then leads to character, which then leads to hope. And hope's not going to disappoint us as believers because of the love that's been shed abroad in our hearts. And so there's this whole chain reaction. And you know how you, you get that chain going? It's time and it's trials and it's hardship sometimes. But there's a purpose. As part of suffering is never without purpose, we also know from Hebrews 5.8, you don't have to turn there, but it says that Jesus actually learned obedience through suffering. It says, even though he was a son, he was God's son. And still he learned obedience through suffering. What a strange but beautiful revelation about the purpose of suffering. That even Jesus Christ, who was totally sinless, he had to learn obedience through that passage of suffering. I don't know how many of you all have learned obedience to the Lord through suffering, but the Lord has used it in my life to teach me what it means to be obedient. And it has been one of the great refiners in my life. That's another purpose. We have comfort to share with others. 
We have patient endurance. We learn obedience. And then lastly, verse 9 says this. And we're back in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The fourth purpose of suffering is that we shift from relying on ourselves to relying on God. We make a major shift. Do you see, do you, did you catch that? Paul says, all of this suffering happened that we might not rely on ourselves anymore, but on God. Suffering gets us to the end of ourselves really quickly, doesn't it? And, and it's, it's sort of like the great equalizer where we realize, you know what? I'm at the end of myself here. I, I can't rely on myself anymore or on anyone else anymore because we're out of sufficiency. We're out of resources here. And we learn to depend on God. So that's one of the benefits of Christian suffering is that it's never without purpose. And then I gave you four little subheads under that header, okay? I'm breaking all the rules right now of uh, teachers. They say, like, just three points, two points. I'm giving you, like, 34, okay? All, and there's subs, too. But you get the idea. You get the idea that suffering is never without purpose when we're believers. Second, Suffering never flows apart from God's comfort. Suffering never flows apart from God's comfort. Where do we see that? Look at verse 5 again. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Abundance in suffering, abundance in comfort. At every point, the Lord will match our pain and our suffering with his comfort and consolation. It, our suffering will never outmatch or outrun or be higher or heavier or deeper or wider than the comfort of God because you will not get, if you are a believer and you are suffering, you will get his comfort. There's a beautiful uh, picture of this in the Amazon. Some of you all know that I've gone to the Amazon uh, jungle many times with an organization called Justice and Mercy International. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that in, when we get to chapters 8 and 9. But there's a beautiful, almost phenomenon down in Manaus, which is one of the main cities in the Amazon in Brazil. And you get down there, and they call it the meeting of the waters. And for Brazilians, that's this part, this place, the meeting of the waters, is really where they determine the the beginning of the Amazon. In their minds, this is the official sort of boom, beginning of the Amazon. The reason it's called the meeting of the waters is because two rivers converge at that point, the Solomois River and the Rio Negro. Uh, the Solomois looks like a big, muddy river, almost like coffee with like just the perfect amount of cream. You guys know what I'm talking about? And it's kind of that camel color. And then the Rio Negro is very acidic and it's dark black. And those two rivers come together and they run at different temperatures and they run at different speeds. They have different nutrients. They're different colors. But when those two rivers come together, it's the meeting of the waters, it's the Amazon. And from that point on, when you are on the Amazon, you are never one without the other. You may call it the Amazon, but 
it's got the waters of the Solomois and it's got the waters of the Rio Negro. Now, what's interesting is that for six miles, the reason it's such an awesome phenomenon is that these rivers don't mix. So you see a black river and you see kind of a muddy brown river and they kind of just like oil and water sort of go down together until they finally intermingle. And that's why it's a really cool phenomenon. That's why it's called the meeting of the waters because it's something that people come from all over the world to see and it's really, really cool. And of course, being a Bible teacher, I can use that illustration for like 37 spiritual applications, okay? <laughs> And the first thing I saw that, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is justification and sanctification. This is suffering and this is God's comfort. This is, I mean, I just had everything just going around in my head. But, but for our intents and purposes, I thought, this is, this is the Christian life right here. We're going to suffer, but never, ever, ever without the Lord's comfort and his mercies just blending in all the way down the river forever and ever. Amen. This is a truth. Suffering never flows apart from God's comfort. But now this is really important. Are you receiving the comfort that God is offering? See, we read in verse 5 that we can only comfort others with the comfort that we have received ourselves. Number three, Suffering connects us to others in ways no other experiences can. Sufferings connect us to others in a way that no other experiences can. We've all experienced that. Have you known coworkers or friends or neighbors and you cook out together and you have coffee and you shop and you go to the movies and it's all great and then all of a sudden something really awful strikes and boom, you know that sister more deeply than you've ever known her. And suddenly, you're doing all kinds of things together that you never thought that you would do because suffering connects you. I'll share more about some of my own personal um, struggles later on in the weeks when we get to the thorn in the flesh. But one of my struggles growing up was depression and really paralyzing anxiety. And I could no more get to the grocery store, much less on a plane that was frozen over with ice heading to L.A. I mean, it was so paralyzing and so terrifying for me. But do you know that to this day, to this day, I'll be in who knows where, and a woman will come up to me and say, me too. And the comfort that I've received from Jesus and the experience that I've had will connect us. And our belief in Jesus Christ through that shared suffering will connect us. And I'll say, me too. And she'll say, me too. And I'll say, and I did that. I did that too. Did you try? The, I, yeah. Were you exercising? Yeah. Uh -huh. Did you go to? Yeah, I did that. Yeah. And we'll connect in a way that we never would have connected otherwise. Verse 7 of our chapter says that we share in one another's comfort. We share in one another's sufferings. It's a shared experience. That's why it connects us to other people. You don't need to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says that if one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it because suffering brings us together. 
connects us deeply. We have a deeper capacity for sympathy when we've gone through the same suffering that someone else has. So use that. Use that. Don't waste the investment of suffering and pain that you've gone through. Reach out. Call that person for coffee that is in the same thing, going through the same thing that you've been through. Take her to lunch. Go get her at church. You know, I have the most awesome mom ever. And she's just, she is such a godly woman. She's a reserved woman. And when you're a pastor's wife of a pretty large church and you have been for over 40 years, it's a challenge when your natural personality is reserved. And she said the coolest thing, though. She said, this year, the Lord has given me the word engage. That's the word he's given me. Go, hug, say a kind word. Just say you're there. Just listen. Suffering binds us together. And then last, and I think that this is my very favorite of all four. Suffering is the means to a unique sharing in relationship with Jesus. Suffering is the means to a unique sharing in relationship with Jesus. Will you turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 10? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, just a couple books over. Three books over. Paul writes this. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. And then verse 11, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You know, we know that first part of the verse, don't we? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You can, you can get lots of people in the room for that part of the verse. You know, hey, who wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection? And you know what? That is powerful and that is good. And we want to, we want to camp out on that part. And that's, oh, it's wonderful. But do you notice how often people leave out the last part? I want to know Christ and fellowship of his sufferings. This is hard to say. It is hard to say. But I know that many of you have tasted that fellowship. Because you know what? There are parts of Jesus we will never know apart from suffering. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. There are parts of Jesus Christ in his heart, in his character, in his power, in his glory, in his goodness, and his compassion, and his justice, even his judgment, all of that. There are parts of Jesus Christ that we will never, ever know apart from suffering. Back in our text, 2 Corinthians. We'll close with this. We've already read it, but from a different perspective here, it says this. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ 
our comfort overflows. One of the reasons why suffering is a unique means to a relationship with Jesus Christ is because, did you see, his sufferings, the sufferings of Jesus flow over into our lives, but the comfort of God flows through Jesus into our lives. That tells me that when God gives you comfort and when he gives me comfort, it passes through Jesus Christ. And we will know him in a way we have never known him. And that is a great blessing. One of the things that um, has really helped me over the years in the middle of any kind of pain or any kind of trial is the gift of music. And I believe it's one of the ways that God um, really does comfort us, especially when it has to do with words that are true and meaningful and good. I wrote this song, it's called Healing Streams, and I just really offer it to you uh, as an offering of comfort and of compassion. And if there is something that you're going through right now and it's so painful, I would just ask you to let these words and this music just wash over you.
Thank you for listening to the Mark Podcast. We'll be releasing all eight teaching sessions of All Things New Bible Study right here on the podcast for the next eight weeks. As a reminder, we will leave the audio up until April 30th. Be sure to get a Bible study book, schedule some Zoom calls with your Bible study pals, and listen in. You can find all of Kelly Mentor's LifeWay Bible Studies by going to LifeWay.com slash Kelly Mentor. If you're loving this Bible study content like we are, let us know. Tag us at LifeWay Women or use the hashtag MarkedPodcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning. If you like getting Bible study content this way or if you have ideas for future episodes. We are so grateful you're listening and we want to know how to serve you well. Goodbye.